You're listening to the Accenture Insurance Influencers Podcast. UAB tests everything. And if it works, you just come up with something new and unique. And if it doesn't, you move on to the next idea. The only way that you know what works and what doesn't work is testing it. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Ugrani Yu, and today I'm speaking with Rick McCatherine. Rick is the chief insurance officer at Hippo Insurance, a startup that's modernizing homeowners insurance. Rick has been in PNC for over 25 years. He is a chartered property and casualty underwriter, a certified insurance counselor, and has held senior executive positions at several well-respected insurance companies. Thanks for joining me, Rick. Thank you so much for having me. I understand that you grew up in an agency family, and as I just said, spent more than 25 years in the insurance industry. What has it been like to see the industry change over that time? Oh, goodness. It, it's, it's interesting because as I talk to people, uh, people that are newer in the space, I let them know that when I first started in the insurance industry, we didn't have rating mechanisms. We manually rated insurance policies with the use of, uh, of a rate card, uh, prorated wheels, uh, carbon paper, and, a, and if I was lucky, we had a calculator to go along with it. So from those days of rate cards and carbon paper, you're now the chief insurance officer of an insurtech. Tell me about Hippo. Yeah, at Hippo, we are modernizing the homeowners homeowners insurance experience soup to nuts. So everything from onboarding the customer, the application process, getting the policy, all the way through the coverage itself. So we've modernized homeowners coverages. You know, most people, when they look at their homeowners policies and they look at it, they'll notice that it covers you for things like fur coats and pewter bowls, gold bullion, stock certificates, crypts and mausoleums, things that maybe were relevant to our parents or grandparents, but less relevant to the consumer today. If you look at the consumer today, they want additional coverage for home electronics, One out of five Americans works from home, so they want to know that they have proper coverage if they happen to work from home. So what we did was we went in and modernized the coverage to meet the needs of the consumer today. Then, of course, we take that modernization all the way through a sort of a proactive, inclusive relationship with the customer. So we keep them informed. We help them protect their greatest asset, which is their home and the place where they raise their family. So we have a very proactive approach to handling that relationship, whether it's one year, five years, 10 years, or 20 years. We have a relationship on a proactive basis with the customer. And that goes all the way through the claims process. Look, let's face it, most people don't really want to have a claim. The best claims experience is avoiding the claim entirely. And what we do, though, is recognize when you have that claim, that's when you want to have that very high-touch human approach to make sure you and your family is taken care of. So the whole process has been modernized within the HIPPO value proposition. And so I'm curious why the focus on homeowners in particular? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, Generally, the reason is at Hippo, we have a desire to help people um, on things that are somewhat complex, 
but are so important in their everyday life. So when you look at auto insurance, there are some companies that have done a pretty good job modernizing auto insurance. You can go online from a few of the big players. You can get a quote quickly. You can buy the policy quickly. Very streamlined, simple process that most people kind of understand because most people have had car insurance for a long time. With homeowner's insurance, that's not necessarily the case. It is a much more complex product itself. There's a lot of different factors to consider uh, related to the home, where it is, how it's made. Is it in an area where you have and you're prone to catastrophic exposures like flood or earthquake or hurricane, tornado? So it is a much more complex process that most people don't really understand. So we felt that helping in that product with homeowners insurance would do the most good. So in playing around with the website, it's pretty easy to get a quote. I put in my address, answered a few basic questions, and got a quote just like that. That is correct. And and so what's interesting is if you go to a traditional provider of homeowner's insurance, uh, you'll, you'll generally talk to an agent, and the agent will ask you what your address is. And then through that process, they will follow up with somewhere between 80 and 130 questions about that address. The difference with HIPPO is the second we have that address, we go out to multiple data providers and get questions answered about your house that are publicly available that avoid us from the need of asking you a question that you might not have an answer to. So let me give you an example. Every homeowner's insurance company asks, how old is the roof of your house? When was it replaced? Well, let's think about it. If you're getting ready to move into a house that's new to you, you have no idea how old that roof is. So as an insurance provider, I've done two things. I've created friction because now I'm asking you to answer a question that you don't know the answer to. And then since I'm insisting that you answer that question, I'm likely getting an incorrect uh, incorrect answer. Whereas at HIPPO, we get the age of your roof through variable data sources, so we know how old it is. So not only am I removing that that question, removing that friction, I'm also getting an accurate answer. It's a win-win for both sides. I'm going to play devil's advocate here and um, say that sometimes public records are incorrect. And so how are you making sure that you are, obviously, if you're asking me and I'm guessing, that's no good either. But how are you verifying that the data sources that you're working with um, are correct? Or, you know, sometimes there's a transcription error or um, I don't know, there's a there's a state street and a state avenue and they got mixed up. Those kinds of, of things are, are quite common. So how does Hippo deal with that? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question and one that we experienced early on at Hippo. So how we've solved for that, we, we've done so a couple of different ways. First of all, we don't rely on a single data source to get a data input. So let's let's use square footage of your house as an example. So we can get square footage from multiple data sources. We can get it from county records. We can get it from Zillow. We can get it from uh, a home inspection that was done at the last time the house was sold. Lots of different sources. So what we do is we sort of triangulate that data input from 
multiple sources and through our AI identify which one we believe most. And that's the one we display to the customer. Now, of course, you're never 100% perfect and you're never 100% right. So we, uh, we um, create a mechanism where if the customer says, no, that's incorrect, they can go ahead and correct the information. So if they want to just go with the data we have, which generally is correct, then they go with it. But if they have different information, we welcome that data input from them. Interesting and very cool. Um, I'm curious, are you able to talk about the types of, of big data sources that you're bringing into the process? Sure. Um, so we use a varying amount of data from some of the traditional insurance data sources. There are large uh, companies that have provided insurance companies with data for, you know, for, for decades. Uh, we use all those sources. We also use really cool data. So we use high definition aerial imagery of the house. So we can look at a house and know, you know, how big the house is, what is the roof age, roof condition, is there brush encroaching the house? Is there heat escaping from the house? So we know that there is a, a soft spot, so to speak, in the roof. And we're very collaborative with our customers when we come up with those answers. We reach out to them, we tell them, we, we notice things like, hey, it looks like there's a new pool that was added to your house or a trampoline. First, we congratulate them, of course, and then we make sure that they have the appropriate coverage. So when the neighborhood kids are coming over swimming in their pool and heaven forbid something happens to one of those uh, one of the children, that we're able to um, make sure that our customer is well protected. Let me give you another example. One of the major rating components for homeowners insurance goes back to that age of roof question. So if somebody decides they're going to replace their roof, it's 20 years old and it's time for them to replace that. Um, they usually do. But how many of them think to reach out to their insurance company and said, hey, I no longer have that 20 year old roof. I've got a brand new roof. And you'd be surprised to know that very few actually reach out. Well, when we get a refresh of our data, we'll notice that the roof was replaced. So we reach out to our customers, verify that they did in fact replace the roof. And then at Renewal, we give them a discount on their policy because they have a brand new roof. It's that proactive ongoing relationship that ensures that customers are well protected as their life changes, because let's face it, Life is not uh, static, it's dynamic. Things change, needs change, so does your insurance coverage. So we do everything we can to make sure that we are working with our customers to protect those two points. So you've, you've mentioned that um, the claims process at HIPPO is human driven, and that's quite different from a lot of the um, conversation that's out there where people are experimenting with AI and chatbots, and you can file your claim in, you know, five seconds or whatever the number is now. Uh, why did HIPPO decide that humans were important for this part of it? So we think that high-touch, empathetic approach to claims, especially when it's homeowner's insurance, is so very important. Now, there are other types of insurance that are less personal. There are other types of insurance that are less dramatic. And in those types of insurance, using technology makes sense. But let's say you're going home some evening and you have a child in, in one arm and it's late and it's raining and you notice somebody has broken into your house. 
do you really want an AI or a chat bot answering the phone when you call? Or do you want a person asking you the questions? Are you okay? Is your family okay? Have you called the police? Would you like us to call the police for you? Are you uncomfortable in your house tonight? Would you like us to make you a hotel reservation? It's the same thing when your house burns down. The last thing I'm concerned about is talking to a chat bot that's going to ask me questions that are, un, you know, they're irrelevant to the, the stress of the tragedy that I just experienced. I want somebody to take care of me and my family from the start of that process until I'm back in my house, back where I belong. And so one of the things that we do is we assign a claims concierge to you. As soon as you have that claim, you have a claims concierge. It's the same person. You have their cell phone number. They're available 24-7. And if you have any questions throughout the claims process, you have an advocate that is there making sure you understand the process that you're taken care of. And we do it in a proactive way, oftentimes before a claim exists. Let me give you an example. So when the California wildfires hit, we have an electronic feed from the state that lets us know where there are any active fires. We overlay that feed with where our customers are. And if we see customers in harm's way, we reach out to them proactively and let them know that there's a fire approaching, that they're either in an evacuation zone or they're very close to an evacuation zone and let them know what they need to know in the event that they get evacuated, they need a place to stay or they have a claim. It's that proactive, empathetic, high touch experience that we think blend the, the worlds of human and insurance and technology. Rick, I'd like to switch topics now and talk about how Hippo has gotten itself to where it is now. It was founded in 2015, launched in 2017, and in 2019 raised $100 million in a Series D. It's also one of the few insurtechs to surpass a billion-dollar valuation and become a unicorn. I'm wondering, what success factors have gotten Hippo to this point? Yeah, great question. It's interesting because there are so many different inflection points through our life of Hippo that we've learned from. So let me give you an example. When we first started at Hippo, we thought that all we needed was an address and then we would automatically give a price. The customer would buy the policy. It would all be done online. There would be no human involvement unless they had a claim and it would move you know, through that process very quick um, and, and easy. What we found is that customers are not necessarily trusting a new brand. So if you put your address in and then I tell you your homeowner's insurance is $850 a year, you, you're not going to trust that because you're used to the experience of spending an hour on the phone with an agent, asking 100 questions, getting back to you the next day with a quote instead of a real-time solution. So what we learned is we have to share and display the, the information we get from the data sources. So the customer becomes comfortable with, oh, they know something about my house. This is for real. So we learned that we needed more involvement with the customer, not just some black box rating algorithm that made it happen in, you know, in 20 seconds. That was the first thing we learned. The second thing we learned is that customers still want to talk to people occasionally. 
So when we started the company, we started with the idea that this would be direct-to-consumer, online only, and we learned very quickly that some customers want to talk to people. So we spun up our call center in Austin, Texas, that is a, a all populated by licensed insurance agents that understand what it's like to have a home, to have homeowner's insurance and stand ready to assist the customers. We don't do things like monitoring how long the call duration is and, you know, did you close the sale? We focus on the customer first. And in fact, we bonus our employees every month, not based on sales, but based on net promoter score. We want to make sure that the customer's experience is aligned with the compensation of our employees. So throughout the entire process, we've learned that we have to be um, willing to change. We have to have a hypothesis. If it proves out, great. If it doesn't, let's take those learnings always with the customer in mind and apply those learnings to augment what our hypothesis was. I like the word hypothesis a lot. Um, and I'm wondering if you have other examples of how that has, has worked in Hippo's development. Like what are some other, say like a product hypothesis, for example, and how, how did you test it? And what was the result? So I'll start with my favorite story at Hippo. We called each of the first hundred policy holders directly just to understand their experience. And one of our hypotheses was that Hippo would resonate well with the millennial home buyer or the first time home buyer. So we thought that everything would lean towards that direction. So as I'm looking at our policyholders and I see a woman named Carol, I decide to call Carol. So I call Carol on the phone. I could tell by Carol's voice she was not a millennial. So it was a lovely conversation. It lasted about an hour. Carol still calls me every few months. We have my cell phone number. She wants to make sure her policy's fine. And I, and I tell her, Carol, you've got my number. You call me anytime. But through that process, I pulled up Carol's demographics on our system. And I realized Carol was 92 years old. And I thought, that is certainly not a millennial. And at the time, we only wrote policies through our online flow. We did not have any agents. It was that early in the process. So at the end of our conversation, I asked Carol, I said, Carol, how did you hear about Hippo and what made you come to Hippo? And Carol's response was, oh, Rick, I saw a Hippo ad on my Facebook. It was so easy. I bought the policy and I tweeted all my friends. True story. <laughs> I said, Carol, you rock. That's awesome. What I learned from that and what the Hippo team learned from that is simplicity and ease transcends generation. So everything we do, we try to make it easy for the customer. Now, behind the scenes, we have all the insurance intelligence that every other insurance company has. We get all the data. We make sure that um, the policies are priced properly. We have a sophisticated bipedal rating algorithm, all the sort of insurance lingo that people talk about. We do all of that. But to the consumer, we are fast, we are easy, we are friendly, and we take care of them at time of loss. That's one of the things that we learned. And then other kinds of products, we thought that customers would want to have choices in the offering. So when we originally started, we had these sort of slide scale things that people could slide their limits from one side to the other. 
what we learned is most people don't know anything about homeowners insurance. And we didn't want to motivate people to select coverage that was below what we would buy ourselves if we were buying coverage. So we changed that approach and we said, we're gonna go ahead and put some coverages that other insurance companies only add if requested automatically into our policy. Things like equipment breakdown, uh, utility line protection, water backup, things that if you don't ask your agent, they don't put automatically in. Because we want to take care of people and when they have their claim six years down the road, they don't call an agent who said, oh, you didn't buy service line protection. So unfortunately, when that big tree ripped up your water line and you have a $20,000 repair bill, it's not covered. We try to make sure that we are providing the coverage people need. And oftentimes they don't know, so we help them through that process. Do you want to showcase and be recognized for your leading insurance innovation on a global stage? Enter the 2020 EFMA Accenture Innovation in Insurance Awards before April 10th, 2020. Visit www.efma.com slash innovation in insurance to learn more. Now, back to the podcast with your host, Igrani Yu. I love that Carol story as a reminder that people are far more complex than basic demographics like age. I want to go back to the idea of hypotheses and experiments, and in particular, how do you distinguish a good idea from a bad idea? You, you try them. You A-B test everything. And if it works, you just come up with something new and unique. And if it doesn't, you move on to the next idea. The only way that you know what works and what doesn't work is testing it. And so often I find executives so unwilling to kind of stick their neck out there, try something that's a little bit different. And I think that's one of the challenges that the incumbents in the, in the space have. I think they are so concerned with either their position in the company or the results of their company, they're unwilling to try new things. And if you're not moving forward, you're falling behind. And it takes the incumbent insurance companies, you know, and I've managed very large ones. It takes them forever to implement changes, whereas the, the entrepreneurial sort of open-minded thinkers can change things 10 times before the incumbents get around to, to changing it once. So I think you, you've, got to, you've got to have a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, which is you've got to try new things. Try it out. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, you're no worse for wear. You just stop doing that and do the next thing. I think it's much easier to have that spirit of experimentation when you're within an insure tech. Do you have any comments on how that might work for a more established insurer? You have to be open-minded. Whoever comes up with the ideas is irrelevant if it's a good idea. One of the things that I've always embraced and we embrace here at Hippo is the meritocracy of an idea. Is it a good idea? Does it have merit? That's far more important than where it came from. I learned this early in my career when I was an underwriter for Mercury Insurance Group. I had just over a year of experience working in an office with people that had decades of experience. And I saw a work process that I thought was broken. 
And I suggested a change to my manager. The manager thought it was a good idea. He talked to the vice president who ended up talking to the CEO of the company. And within a few short weeks, a massive billion dollar organization shifted the way all of its policies were underwritten because of the idea of a 23 year old kid. I think it is so very important not to be grounded in our own beliefs, but be open-minded and, and understand that we don't all have all good ideas. I have a lot of good ideas. I have a lot of bad ideas. And I think that goes a lot, that goes for everybody. So I think being open-minded to change is so important. Okay. Let's shift a bit from that external view to an internal one. Hippo has grown significantly from its early days, and you now have two offices, one in Austin and one in Palo Alto. I'm wondering, what has that process been like in scaling the company and specifically maintaining the culture? One of the hardest things to maintain when you have a company that grows as quickly as Hippo has grown is maintaining that culture. Our founder, Asaf Wand, one of the things that he says is, look, entrepreneurial work is hard. There are two things that you can control. First, who you work with. And second, what culture you have in the company. We, despite our growth, have been able to maintain the hippo culture internally, which generally is about customer-facing, customer-centric mindset. And we bring in people that share that culture. And we create champions within our organization that are hippo champions, making sure that our customer comes first, that everybody understands what has allowed us to be successful, and we never lose sight of that ultimate goal, which again is customer within a highly regulated, compliance-driven mindset to make sure that we are treating everybody in that value chain properly. We've done a good job. We've grown from, you know, when I started, there was about 10 Hippo employees and nine of the 10 were were, uh, programmers and developers starting to, you know, starting to build our system. Today, we've got well over 100 employees, quickly approaching 200 employees. And I got to tell you, the type of people that we bring in that also want to share in the vision of customer-centric insurance has been just refreshing. We have more people wanting to join Hippo than we have positions, and I think that's because of the culture we have. Interesting. Um, how, how does culture at Hippo support innovation? And how do you make sure that you are bringing in new people? Sounds like you've got a lot of options there, which is great. How do you bring in those new people to make sure that that you are furthering this culture of innovation? And what you mentioned the word hypothesis earlier, this culture of experimentation. Yes. It, it, a lot of it simply is um, how you're designed and how you're laid out. We do not have in either one of our two hippo offices, we have no private offices. Our CEO um, sits on the floor just like everybody else sits on the floor. Our engineers and developers are co-mingled with our underwriters and salespeople. 
we don't have a traditional call center environment. It's not a cubicle farm. We have a very open environment where everybody can hear what's going on. And when you allow the people that are doing the job on a day in and day out basis, hear what's going on, they're the first ones to bring suggestions on how to improve. So when we interview new employees, it's not sort of a, a, you know, hierarchical interview process. It's people that will be working with them, people that will be leading them. If it's a manager role, people that will be working for them. We get everybody involved in the process and ask a lot of questions that have absolutely nothing to do with technology and nothing to do with insurance, just to make sure that person is the right cultural fit with the organization. Let me give you an example. When, when our call center employees, and I hear them every day because they sit three feet away from me, when I hear them on the phone for an hour with a customer and during that hour time with the customer, at the end of the conversation, they say, you know, I think you should stay with company X. I think you've got a great price. They've taken care of you. I don't think that we can do a better job than that particular company in your particular circumstance. I look at that as a win. We have just reinforced a customer's decision to stay with somebody that they were comfortable with uh, initially. That's a win for me because when that customer gets off the phone, they'll say, you know, I didn't buy the hippo policy, but I got to tell you, they were helpful. They were professional. They truly had my best interest in mind. Those are the kinds of people that we need at Hippo. It sounds like that culture has been good for recruiting people. What about retaining them? I'll share one statistic with you. We have had our call center open in Austin, Texas, going on two years now. We have not had a single voluntary resignation in our call center. And these are people that are on the phone eight hours a day talking to customers. That's because we do a very good job of making sure we bring people in that share the culture, the mindset, the goal, the objective of what we're trying to do at Hippo. When you've got a group of 100 call center employees to have zero attrition in almost two years, I think says something about the hippo culture. In my uh, reading uh, in preparing for this interview, I found a few stories um, saying that hippo had worked with, um, had gotten help. Uh, in places that I think most startups would be inclined to take in-house. So for example, um, there's an article about your partnership with Work & Co, uh, which is a digital product development agency, and with Milliman, which offers actuarial consulting. And um, as I said, I, I think there's an inclination on the part of startups to say, we're going to build all of this ourselves. And it seems to me like Hippo has not gone that route. And I'm wondering if you can talk about that decision and why you decided to go that way. I can. And, you know, I think it's foolish for people to think they know all things about all things. I think it's foolish for people to think that they um, have an expertise and know what the customers want without talking to customers. I think if you truly care about your customers, you will bring world-class problem solvers to your offering. Now, sometimes you can grow those internally. So much of our technology is all internal. We built our policy administration system. We do the data um, links with our data provider. All of that sort of full stack technology um, application, we do. 
But when it comes time to modernizing homeowners insurance, bringing the help in from the world's most renowned actuarial firms or some of the absolute best designers of website and user experience and interface. We think if we're treating our customers like we would want to be treated, we should and do bring in world-class solutions to provide solutions. You know a lot of things about areas within areas of your expertise, but there's things you don't know. Go out and get that help. Now, ultimately, once you grow and get scale, you can develop that expertise internally, but nobody understands everything from day one. What are Hippo's challenges now, Rick? So the, the challenges now are, are generally related to, um, to growth. So in the insurance world, you have to make sure that you have enough capital, enough surplus to protect the policyholders. And you generally achieve that with what's called reinsurance agreements and reinsurance contracts. So HIPPO does not bear the underwriting risk. We handle everything uh, from a customer experience, from a programming, from a policy issuance, a claims management, but the, the bank account that makes sure when that hurricane hits or that hailstorm destroys a neighborhood that the customer is well protected, that money, that balance sheet comes from an insurance company um, and a, a group of reinsurers. The biggest challenge that we have with our growth rate is making sure that we get enough reinsurers bought into the HIPPO model to say we are ready to stand up and protect those hundreds of thousands of policyholders that have chosen to go with HIPPO. And when the worst scenario occurs, that horrible storm or that horrible fire, that they are there to back us up and make sure that our customers are well taken care of in terms of paying claims. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely relevant. I remember reading about a, a little niche insurer who was basically went into bankruptcy because of the California wildfires. So um, definitely important. It, it, it does. It does happen. Um, one of the things that gives us a lot of peace of mind is uh, most of the world's largest reinsurers um, are either participating or interested in participating in the Hippo Vision in the Hippo platform. All of our insurance company partnerships have a strong AM best rating of A minus or better. So from a stability perspective and the ability to pay claims, we are, we are as strong as anybody else out there. We're coming up to the end of our time, Rick. To close out, what does the insurance industry, so insurtechs and incumbents, need to do to remain relevant and competitive? Yeah, it, it's a pretty simple answer. Listen to your customer. Listen to what your customers' needs are, what their expectations are, what their experience are. And then behind the scenes, put all of the fundamental insurance practice and practicality so you can maintain that in a long-term sustainable way. Insurance companies still aren't very good at listening to customers. Some are better than others. Some do an exceptional job. But others still call the customer a policyholder. They don't look at them as a customer. In fact, some insurance companies look at the agents as a customer as opposed to the homeowner. I think it is so very important for us to realize as an industry 
that the world has changed, the paradigm has shifted, insurance customers' expectations are much more like an Amazon-like expectation and not an old traditional incumbent, 100 question, hour of my time, get back to me next week mindset. Well, thank you very much, Rick. This has been such an interesting conversation. I'm really thankful that you took the time today. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it as well. That wraps up my conversation with Rick McCatherine of Hippo Insurance. It also wraps up season three of the Accenture Insurance Influencers podcast. We've got something up our sleeve, but it's not quite ready yet. So stay tuned and thanks for listening. I'm Igrani Yu. You've been listening to the Accenture Insurance Influencers podcast. To hear more great episodes, visit Accenture.com slash insurance influencers.